0: You're listening to The Gold Digger Podcast, episode number 46. Today, I am talking about being too legit to quit with Rachel Branke, the law talk, and we're going to talk all about the legal aspects of owning a business and why it shouldn't be the scariest thing on your to do list. You're listening to The Gold Digger Podcast with Jenna Kutcher, the live workshop style business podcast for creative girl bosses, so you can train from the experts how to dig in, do the work, and tackle your goals along the way. Here's your host, photographer, educator, artist, and mac and cheese lover, Jenna Kutcher. Hey, guys, it's Jenna Kutcher. And today I am so honored to have the Rachel Branky with me today. Now, Rachel is a business and legal consultant for entrepreneurs. I have used her resources time and time again within my own business. And I just look to her as a friend who offers some really sound advice on all of the scary legal things that we encounter as entrepreneurs. So welcome to the show, Rachel. Thanks
1: for having me.
0: I'm so thankful. So let's just kick it off. And will you just tell everyone your story, how you got to where you are, you are doing so many incredible things with your business. And I just want to hear how it all kind of unfolded for you.
1: Uh, I mean, so it's over a decade in the making. But essentially, I had started running an apparel store online. This was back in the MySpace days. Oh my gosh. Um, and doing that, I realized that there was at the time, not now, but at the time, there was not really a lot of resources to teach you how to run an online business. And so I was running the apparel store and I started helping other business owners as I was learning how to do it for myself. And that was kind of great. That was all on MySpace. This was obviously before Facebook, Instagram and all of that. And then, so I was like, well, I really like this. So I'm going to go to school for my MBA, which I did. And I loved it. But what's funny about that is I feel like people get intimidated by it. But I feel like I've learned way more now. Like it makes more sense now that I'm doing it in business as opposed Mm -hmm. to when I learned it in like formalized education. So don't be discouraged if you don't have a business degree or anything like that. There's plenty to learn on the outside. I sound like I was in jail (laughs) on the outside. (laughs) On the outside looking in. (laughs) Yeah. So I did that. And then I was like, well, I always had a heart. For the law, and I was like, Well, I want to go to law school. And I was like, Well, I want to take a different path. I went to law school with the intention of being a prosecutor for child sex crimes. It's something that's still really near and dear to my heart. I still work locally, currently with legal aid and other shelters in town. But through law school, I was getting a lot of questions about photography because at that point, I had also started taking photography for pay. I had been doing it for a while on my own, but I really decided to start developing it as a business to help sustain and support the family during law school because it's quite expensive. And so essentially, within those three years, I was getting really deep into the photography industry on the business side, and people were asking me all these questions And by the time that I graduated, it's basically took my MBA, my law degree, and my photography business, and they all had a baby, and that is the Law Talk. And that's pretty much what I do now. I'm a practicing attorney in Texas and Virginia, as well as I could go before the Supreme Court of the United States if I ever needed to. Oh, my
0: gosh. Yeah, I hope you never need to. (laughs) (laughs) That is incredible. And I think what's so awesome is that I feel like so many creatives have so many different passions and we're so multi-passionate people. And the way that you've combined your skills and the God-given gifts that you have along with your education, it's truly inspiring because I feel like you saw a need and you filled it. And I think a lot of times that takes a lot of guts. What was that like when you were like, I think I can make a go at this and not, I mean, I don't know anyone else that was doing it. I'm sure at that time, even now, what was that like?
1: It was a heart led thing. It really was. I mean, I was on a one track. I wanted to be like Olivia Benson off of SBU. I wanted to fight the bad guy. You know? <laughs> and I was thought I was going to do that in a courtroom. And it really was kind of a combination. My husband was active duty army at the time, in and out to deployments. We had multiple kids during law school. And I finally just was like, Sigh. I have the heart. All these people are asking me for help and they need my help. And they're wanting to be with their families, you know, and not work for someone else. And on the flip side as we were moving and my family needed me. So I'm like, it'd be stupid for me to put this passion for prosecution above where everything else I feel like has just been laid out for me that Mm -hmm. I could still be on the ground to impact families. Because when you go into law school, people kind of have this idea you're either going to come out, you're going to work public service, or you're going to work in a private law firm. Like those are kind of the two paths they tell you to take. And I was like, I don't really fit into either of those. So even though Mm -hmm. I had the heart for one, I wasn't sure how I fit. And I struggled a lot with this. And I think one of this is one of my biggest recommendations for creatives listening is that we kind of have an edge up on a lot of other entrepreneurs, because we have such passion and heart follow that like our gut, I feel like is like the way to follow. And I just if I had followed mind over heart at the time, I wouldn't be where I'm at. And I say all that to say that, I feel like I'm still helping the children. This is going to sound so commercial, but... No, I'm ready. I like that. (laughs) I feel like I'm still helping the children of America, just not in the exact same way. Like, I'm helping moms be able to quit, their and dads, their full-time nine-to-fives, commuting three to four hours a day, plus the eight-hour workday, hardly seeing their kids. I'm helping them quit that and build something that allows them to... Go during nap time and make a phone call to a client and then come out and play and watch Moana for the 1500th time (laughs) in the next hour. Like, I feel like that's the kind of foundation that our society really needs. Not to say that the prosecution part's not needed also, but I feel like I'm kind of
0: reverse helping the situation. Absolutely. I think what's so cool is you knew that you had a heart for something very specific. Mm -hmm. And the avenue that you're taking to do that is a lot different than what you expected. But you also stepped into that role and said like, okay, I see there's a need. Nobody's filling it. I will be the one. And as somebody who has relied on your resources since starting, I just think what a blessing it is because you truly are serving people. So Here's my big question, and I think that the legal stuff scares the crap out of people, especially us. creative yeah. entrepreneurs. And what I found, and I'm sure you feel the same, is so many creative people were so artistic. But when it comes down to the business side of things, there's a lot of hesitant, there's a lot of fear, and there's a lot of doubt. And that definitely trickles through to the legal side of things. So if someone's looking to make their business legit or make it a real working business, what are the five action steps that they should take in order? order to do so.
1: Well, the first thing I want to say before I get into the five steps is that I feel like what you just said, people are scared of the legal side, but they're also mm-hmm. scared of lawyers, which is really unfortunate because the most of us are really good people. We just have like this stigma and it is kind of scary and overwhelming. So, my goal, as you guys can probably tell by now with me talking, my goal and benefit of being a creative is that I can talk on a more personal level, mm-hmm. I feel like. And it's not Absolutely. me talking at you. I get to talk with people totally so it becomes it. less scary. Yeah, so the five major things that I really recommend people to do to be legit. And I don't want you guys to take this as a checklist and go, "Oh, I've already done it. I'm not going to come back." Keep in mind that legal stuff is not always done. And that sounds counterintuitive to what I just said to so <laughs> be scary, but the goal is if your business is growing, you're Business and legal needs grow, too, and they deserve a spot on your calendar and a routine basis for you just to check in, check the health, make sure you're protected. These five things that I'm going to mention here in a second, I feel like I kind of envision, like, the movie Independence Day when they're shooting the alien aircraft and, like, the big old, what do you call it, like, the – Like the green thing when it hit and then they try to hit it. The force field. That's it. There you go. I was like, I vision it, but I can't think of the word. It makes me sound like do, 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 but I don't know what it's called. Yeah, the force field. The goal for me is to build these force fields and these hurdles for people to have to get through to get to you. And if your business moves, the force field may not necessarily go with you. So the five, the first one is getting your business formation in line. And this is understanding your personal needs, your Assets, what your goals for your business are going to be, what your growth has been, what it's going to be. Because I think a lot of times creatives come out the gate and there's nothing wrong, there's no judgment me saying this, but they don't know what to do. And honestly, (laughs) that's why I'm here. This is how I was developed and this is where I found my place with you guys, but they don't know what to do. So they just engage in the business and then in America, which should be been my disclaimer, I should give to anyone listening that I'm an American-based attorney, so anything I say is going to be really American-focused. But when you just engage in business, you're by default a sole proprietor. You're not really given any benefits at all. There's no separation of your business from personal assets. If you get sued, you can be sued on a personal level, which really is heartbreaking as an attorney to have to tell and break the news to that and also see these creatives stumbling under this burden when they could simply have created an LLC or a corporation and put this business formation structure in place that by simple acts of business, you could be more protected should you ever need to defend yourself against a client. Yeah, my recommendation, please don't be a sole proprietor, even if it's sole proprietor with insurance, which we're going to get to in the next step. But LLC at a baseline is so important. All states have it. It's relatively easy to get. Some states, it's cheaper than others, but it can give you a world of separation between your business and personal assets. And especially if you have a lot of high dollar personal assets, family assets, and those sorts of things, you really need to have that division in line. LLCs are not as scary as they sound. So Mm -hmm. I just got off the phone with a client right before this and I was like, you relatively could do it yourself. I'm happy to help you or I'm happy to do it for you. So there's a broad variety of ways. Don't feel like you have to jump to this expensive attorney to do it for you. It's just really about research and identifying what you're willing to invest in. But making that choice to get yourself protected on the business formation level Makes me so super proud when people do that because it legitimizes them also in the eyes of their clients. It gives you that extra protection. And I feel like it's really laying the foundation for being legit in all other areas.
0: Absolutely.
1: So the second one is have like the proper insurance in place. The main insurance is that a lot of creatives look at is liability insurance, your equipment insurance. A lot of people, unfortunately, fall into the trap that, oh, my equipment will be covered by my homeowner's insurance. <laughs> and the unfortunate is I have yet to see, of course, someone's probably going to email and say, oh, my <laughs> but I have yet to see a homeowner's insurance policy that will cover business equipment if they find that it has been used in business. which is really unfortunate. So it could be something that happens to your house. It's not even if you're out on a shoot or doing an event for somebody. It could merely be in your house and it floods or fire or something and it won't get covered. And that's unfortunate when you guys are investing a lot of hard-earned money into the business. On the liability insurance point for that, it's just another layer of that force field protection. I try to recommend as many force fields as possible. So the first three tips on this are kind of what I affectionately refer to as the legal trifecta. Your business formation, your liability insurance, and then number three, which is our third point here is the identify and use proper lawyer-drafted contracts.
0: Article is offering our listeners $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. To claim, visit article.com slash golddigger and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com slash golddigger for $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more.
1: Mm -hmm. One of the biggest issues that I run into as a practicing attorney is people will have an issue and they either didn't have a contract or they have one that they did themselves. And because they're not an attorney and they don't understand a lot of the legal theories that exist, they end up drafting against themselves or it ends up becoming so disproportionately unfair that the whole thing is thrown out. It just becomes a really big mess. And my heart breaks when I have to work with people like this because really, this is going to sound weird, but the only people that win in those situations are the lawyers. Mm -hmm. And I, that's why I prefer to be a transactional attorney and not a litigation because I want to get you guys prepared and protected as opposed to playing cleanup on aisle four in contracts is where cleanup is always very expensive and very dangerous. But other than that, I mean, besides the legal stuff, contracts set a legitimacy with your clients, just like the formation does. They set expectations. I mean, they're protection for both. And it builds buyer confidence into the clients as well by having them in place.
0: Absolutely. And I think think that's that's one one of the the problems problems when it comes comes to contracts. contracts. I think that a lot of people get really worried about what a contract needs to look like. And so they get scared by the legal jargon. But the truth is, is that contracts really are setting expectations. They're really helping to let your clients know this is what is going to happen. This is how I'm protected. This is how you're protected. And at the end of the day, it's probably the best way that you can get your stuff in order.
1: You know, and the the unfortunate thing is that there's also all these myths and misinformation out there that they have to be plain language or clients aren't going to understand it or they have to be these long legalese in order to be enforceable. And it's not. I mean, it really boils down to your business. I mean, all of this kind of roots back to what your business is, what your business plan that you plan to implement is and how you approach your clients because if you get the pushback that a contract is too legal ease It's better to have the legalese and be protected because then all you need is for you, the creative, to be able to plain language explain it to a client, which you should be doing anyway. So Mm -hmm. it's not really putting an extra burden on the creative. I think the disconnect is a lot of times they're scared because they don't understand what's included, and that's okay, just ask. And that's also why having a lawyer is beneficial other than the obvious reasons. But then you have someone that you can always go to and say, hey, how do I explain this? Or the client asked this, or worst case, should something bad arise out of that contract, you also have recourse. So if you do end up getting sued for whatever reason, it's unfortunate, but humans are humans. If you end up getting sued and the contract doesn't help you, or maybe there was some kind of malpractice, if you wrote it yourself, you have no recourse. The buck stops there, literally, with your wallet. But if there was something that maybe the lawyer had drafted, it, it's kind of like an insurance policy for contracts in a way. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's kind of like a generalized... Statement, But if there's ever an issue and a lawyer has drafted it, you also have someone to go back on and be like, hey, dude, what happened here? And majority of lawyers were all supposed to carry malpractice insurance. That goes back up to point two for you guys as well. But that will also help you should you ever get into an unfortunate situation like that. So step number four is protecting your intellectual property. We could do an entire podcast on this one. So I'll just give like in a nutshell, it's really important, especially if you're working with assistants, second shooters, editors, or just having your stuff on the web in general. It's knowing what is copyrighted, what can be trademarked, how those work, how you can defend them when you need to, because copyright infringement is probably number one of what we deal with on the legal side. It's unfortunate. Mm -hmm. It's just – the nature of technology, not justifying it, but it just means that it's going to happen more and more. People are accessible to your intellectual property, so they think they can use it. And by knowing your rights and what you have to defend and what you should do is really important. So digging into understanding how copyrights and trademarks work will definitely help you to be even more legit, especially should you ever need to enforce those against somebody. Like on trademark, you don't necessarily, well, it's generally you don't have trademark protection. There's some common law stuff, but in the general sense, you would have had to take a step for registration. But if you haven't done that, it's a really weak argument. However, on the copyright side for like your images and logos and so forth, you have that at creation. But if you don't take the step to register it, then you fall into the bucket of without registration, the only thing I can sue someone for and i and I don't necessarily mean sue like I'm not thinking we're staying in a courtroom suing but mm-hmm. if the only thing I can go after somebody for is actual damages like I have to prove that they either like got business out of it or they caused damages to my business whereas if you had known to take the steps to register your image or text or whatever that property is, you automatically are provided the opportunity to get statutorily identified. Damages, And so it's just, I know that's a lot of information, like I just kind of regurgitated out for y'all right there. But I just want you to know that you should dig into finding out your copyright rights and responsibilities and your trademark rights and responsibilities and how it applies to what you're creating in your business, because that is what brings home the money, honey. It's mm-hmm. not your adorable smile and anything else. Your property is what most of you are probably selling,
0: Absolutely. And then the
1: last one, maybe it's not necessarily being legit, but this is more of my perspective as an entrepreneur and business owner and creative as well, is getting as efficient as possible with everything. I see a lot of businesses, especially in the first years, they don't fail because they don't know what they're doing. They fail because or have slow growth because they're overwhelmed and become paralyzed with everything that they need to do. I completely recognize that my topic and the four steps that I have just identified for you guys can be extremely overwhelming. This is why I strongly recommend putting as much efficiency measures into place, setting onto your calendar routine evaluations of your contracts, of the questions that your clients or customers are having repeatedly. Are you going to be able to update your frequently asked questions page or your email template or your contract to reflect mm-hmm. those? Anything you can do to reduce the amount of time that you're hand having to say the exact same things over and over or do the exact same processes over and over, you should be doing. Now, in this age of Facebook, Instagram, almost any task I can think of except for human interaction is fairly automated. Mm -hmm. Getting that under your belt and automating all these other things will free up time for you guys to go through the four items that I just provided you before. One of my – this is a non-legal tip, but it helps me with as many things as I have going on to stay on task is I do batch content creation and processing so the first of every month I have an administrative day that's when I pay all my people I pay myself I do my tax reports I do all the no fun stuff the reason is I just get it done in one day get a glass of wine soda whatever it is sit down get it all done so that way the other 30 days of the month or 29 days I don't have to worry about that yucky stuff I don't feel like I'm being paralyzed by business stuff. I get it out of the way. I also spend the first of every quarter planning out all my marketing stuff, all my social media automation. I do almost all of that as much as I can so that I can focus on interactions with my clients and customers, having the one-on-one, having my family life, and then being able to get down to these things like filing my copyright for my images or checking up on my trademark application. A lot of times the legal stuff falls off a plate because people haven't gotten any fish on in other processes that can be fairly automated or done in a more streamlined and efficient manner.
0: Absolutely. And you and I are like huge proponents to batch working. We were just having a conversation about it in one of the Facebook groups we're in together. There's so much freedom in doing it that way because you're not wasting time going back from task to task. And when you have things on your to do list that just simply aren't getting done, there's a really good chance, like you said, that you're just being not as efficient in other areas of your business that you should be.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, you know, and that's the thing is I'm pretty methodical. This is where the business side of me comes in. And I find that people that are pure creatives, I'm kind of in the middle, but I find people that are pure creative struggle with this. So I really recommend you taking a day and like taking a piece of paper and tracking every single thing that you do and be honest and write down what tasks you do, including your surfing of Snapchat or looking at cat videos on Facebook, but identify where your time is going. It's like dieting. You wonder, you're like, oh, I'm eating well, but you're not logging everything. you're like, but I'm not losing weight. What's going on here? Once you start logging it, you start going, oh man, I ate 12 thin mints instead of the two that I thought I had. (laughs) Then you know where your issues are. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the very first things that I work on when creatives come to me and they're like, I just don't have time for everything. And we're like automation and identify where you have time sucks. And then Of course, like we just said, instituting the batch creation or the batch, whatever it is that you're trying to do, doing it all at one time because you're also more focused and able to give a better product by this batching because you're in that mode. You're not having to switch gears as opposed to jumping around all month doing that.
0: Absolutely. So my next question comes, what is the number one mistake that you're seeing creative entrepreneurs make on a legal standpoint? And how can we resolve this as an industry or as a whole?
1: So I kind of touched on this, I jumped ahead a little bit, but one of the major there's two major problems. One is not protecting your intellectual property until it's too late. A lot of times you can't retroactively try to protect yourself or protect your intellectual property. But the same thing goes for the number two, which is contracts. Um, a lot of people try to implement policies and procedures or ideas after the fact and it's like no you can't do that. Like you can't put the cat back in the bag at that point. And I've kind of addressed this a little bit already, but people want to shove as much stuff as they can into a contract. And there's great danger in that because you can end up having redundancies, you can have conflicting information. There's stuff that's just plain out invalid. It can be disproportionately unfair towards you and you may not even realize it. And I'm not saying all contracts have to be like 50 fair. Every state kind of varies on their perspective on that, but you can have something that's so disproportionately unfair that you're also doing yourself a disservice, maybe not on a legal side, but from a business standpoint with your clients. So, I mean, that's one end of the spectrum. You have the people that get in these Facebook groups, and they see all these scary things that are happening to everyone else, and so they try to stick as much as they can into a contract. And then on the other end of the spectrum, we have people that don't even have one or it's a really bad one and there's no protection on either end. It's kind of, it, there is a dance. And you know, what's kind of funny is that you wouldn't really consider a lawyer a creative, but there is an art form to drafting contracts. So I totally love, like, I can combine my love for everything <laughs> together, but because it's a balance and it's strategy and it's, Also, keeping in mind, what is this client going to ask this person? Like, what are they going to – how are they going to push back on this or are they going to love this? How does this benefit? And a lot of times, entrepreneurs try to do one of these two things and it all culminates into this one mistake of just not having a proper contract in place.
0: Absolutely. I think that is something that I see come up in so many of my education groups. And I also think, too, that people aren't necessarily seeking advice in the right spot. So if somebody's listening and they're wondering, well, where in goodness name do I get support in making sure my contract is good in actually establishing a contract if they don't have one yet, where would you recommend people go to get that insight?
1: Well, of course, I have the shameless plug for the law talk. Absolutely. Um, Of course. (laughs) We have photographer and non we have a non photographer section in there and it's related for creatives and such that really is for me a baseline for people to go and get information those things are created from the perspective of a business owner a creative slash photographer and a lawyer and of course a mom as well. And so everything that I have included in there works with all of those. I strongly suggest that people take that though to a local lawyer because there are little specific nuances across state lines. That is really where people start getting tripped up and where I truly believe this. And I'm not saying this as a lawyer. I'm saying this as a small business owner, that that is where lawyers are worth their weight in gold. If you can find a good one who will sparse through all of the local laws and break it right down for you and bring it to you, the accuracy and the efficiency and the convenience of being able to essentially outsource someone else to do that, as well as that insurance policy that I talked about before is basically you have insurance so that if you're advised by somebody and it's incorrect, you have some recourse. That's where I really do think that local lawyers are worth their weight. The thing about it is, though, and that I caution, and I'm not trying to bash <laughs> my kind, my lawyer species, but not all of them. Most of them have not been creatives or photographers or logo designers or event planner, whatever it is that you do that you're listening. Majority of them probably have not run a business, let alone a creative business. So... While going to a local attorney is the best course of action and may not be the most comprehensive in -hmm. the sense that they may not think of little things to put in there that will help protect you and set expectations with the clients. So that's really where the law talk kind of comes in. We're able to provide that bridge between not having anything and then being able to take to a local attorney. One of the things that we do offer over there, because it's myself and a couple other attorneys that work with me. We volunteer to get on phones with local attorneys. We don't get paid for this. This is just something to give back to the creative industry. But we will get on the phone with your local attorney because they may not have a clue how to run a wedding event planning business. And we're more than happy to get on there and kind of discuss the industry standards that we've learned through being in the groups and being in the industry and offer some insight. We're not legally advising at that point. They can take that information and apply it, you know, best for your state law. But we do offer that service. We don't make money for it. We can't pass legally. We can't do it. And then I just, it's too much. I'd rather just use this as a way to give back.
0: That's amazing. I think too, your heart is something that I just truly value. And one of the things that I've really learned over the years as an entrepreneur is I used to be honestly really afraid of all the legal stuff. You know, there's just so many hoops that you feel like you have to jump through. And a lot of times it's all new territory for us. And what I've learned is exactly what you said it also gives you confidence, it sets expectations, it makes you feel legit, it protects you, it protects your clients. And there's so much goodness in it. And I think that, like you said, there's this weird stigma that you are trying to remove and it's really working and what has been really cool especially as we've grown our team and stuff we've relied heavily on your contracts for associate photographers and things like that because we understand like while your relationship is good that is when you should be hashing these things out not when it needs to be fixed right
1: that's when relationships break down. I always say there's never an issue till there's an issue. And Mm -hmm. then oftentimes it's too late at that point, you know, but one thing I do want to say here is I don't want to scare everyone to be like, Oh my God, I have all this legal stuff I got to go do. Keep in mind, you get this stuff in place to protect yourself. Like Mm -hmm. we're not here to necessarily use it to, beat our customers or our clients over the head with. We're not it's there if we need to enforce it. It's there to set the expectations, to give you that confidence. But I still circle back to like what you said relationships. And for me to be able, especially with like associate shooters and assistants and so forth, once they come on board, I want them to become my friend and my family. It's mm-hmm. harder to 3 years down the road have to have a really unhappy, weird discussion with them, whereas if I just put that all formalized up front, everything was already set, it's already been said, and it allows this piece of paper, really get to be the enforcer of things. Well, I still get to be the friend. Yeah, you got to be a boss sometimes, but I still get to be the friend or the service provider to the client and allow that contract or this legal tool, set the tone and set the the legal requirements really, because it helps to, like you said, relationships, it helps to preserve and maintain that relationship. It's not always going to happen. You know, issues come up, you're not People are people. You're not going to end up coming unscathed out of all situations, but I feel like by having all of this, especially contracts into place, you're going to be way further ahead and you're going to then have something else. It's like this inanimate thing really that can control this no fun part of business for you while you get to focus on relationships and serving.
0: Absolutely. What kind of things do you suggest having contracts for? Because I know a lot of times people can have one part of their business be really stable and have the workflow in place for contracts. But what are things that people might be not necessarily thinking of when they're thinking of contracts within their business that they should probably have them for? One of
1: the biggest things, it's funny, it's almost like I fed you to give me all these questions. (laughs) I didn't. (laughs) I know, I know. These are like the most recent type of things that we've been dealing with in the firm, but another one has been, when it comes to intellectual property, it's all about like when you have people that are working for you as independent contractors or employees, it's not as simple as me looking at you and saying, hey Jenna, you're an independent contractor for me. Because Mm -hmm. if I end up treating you like an employee, even though we agreed, that you are an independent contractor, you may be found to be an employee. Well, how does that implicate intellectual property if you're creating stuff for me, if you're shooting for me or blogging for me? By default, an independent contractor in their status retains the copyright rights and ownership to whatever that intellectual property that they created. Now, it can't be transferred If you're an independent contractor without some agreement, and obviously written is the best, like that's going to be way better argument if I'm your attorney to say, Hey, here it is in writing. We both agree to it on X and X date. Now on the flip side of that, it's if you as the independent contractor were thinking, okay, I'm going to work with Rachel, but I'm going to keep all the intellectual property ownership of my stuff. But what if I end up treating you like an employee and we end up finding out like by law, you're an employee. Technically. Just by operation of law, everything that you created is mine as me as the employer at that point. All the intellectual property rights belong with me. I see this most often when you have people who are maybe social media managers for you Mm -hmm. and they're creating content, blog posts, writers, second shooters if you're a photographer – Those are the biggest ones that I've been working with lately. And it's just unfortunate because they think that since industry standard is that you have a second shooter who is an independent contractor and you're like, oh, well, I hired them and I'm the hired photographer for the business, so it's my image. Well, it's really not yours if your second shooter took it, generally speaking, that it's really that second shooters and it, it just becomes this complication. And then you end up having, like you said, these internal struggles that really you could eliminate from the very front.
0: I think those are the things that ultimately add the most stress to entrepreneurs is when you think something and it's not actually so. And when I think of the things that have kept me up at night as an entrepreneur, it's usually things that fall under these categories where you're making assumptions and they're not correct.
1: Well, you know, and the unfortunate thing is now I've probably sent people into a tizzy, and I don't want to do that. It's important they have this information, but a lot of times it's the fear of this information is why they don't grow their business. They don't start outsourcing because they either don't know or they don't know how to do this. I mean, it's really – Something as simple as being a wedding photographer and having a second shooter. It really, yes, friends, it is as simple as having a second shooter contract with that second shooter that identifies that you own all the intellectual property of what they create. Like, it doesn't have to be this crazy fanfare of do-do-do, sign my contract. It just is like,
0: here's our agreement, these are our terms, now let's go shoot and have fun absolutely and i think too a lot of times especially within my photography course when i'm coaching my students a lot of the questions that will come up will be after the fact and so then yeah. the first question and i see you do this as well is well what did the contract say and well, that's I'm usually like, where I the gaps are before me. <laughs> yes yes exactly and i think that you know same thing with like should my second shooter be allowed to post their images? Well, what did your contract say? Should my second shooter be allowed to friend my clients on Facebook? I mean, all of those things can be outlined in such a clear way so that as you're agreeing to work together, both parties understand that relationship so that after the fact, you're not struggling to do that. And I think so many people, like you said, it's It's a protector of a relationship and it's just such an upfront way to do business. And I know that a lot of that comes with confidence. When I was first starting, I definitely didn't have this level of confidence where I could say, well, this is how it is and this is how I do things. But don't you agree contracts can give confidence?
1: For sure. You know, the thing is, too, I want to maybe this will help alleviate a little stress that listeners are having right now, but contracts aren't this crazy, scary, floating in the air type of thing. What do they come out of? They come out of your desires for what you want for your business. Mm -hmm. And I know that creatives don't lack in desires and ideas. So sit down. When you're done with listening to this, sit down and write out a list of what are the standard things that you do in your business? Do you want your second shooter to be able to share those images? There's not necessarily a right or wrong answer. What's right or wrong is when you don't take the legal step to make it what you want it to be.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Rachel, where can everybody find you online? Because you are doing so many things and I can tell you guys, you want a front row seat to Rachel and her business goals because she's just out there crushing it. So where can everybody find you? But
1: I'm a hot mess and I'm good entertainment. No, oh. She
0: has good entertainment, but not the hot mess.
1: <laughs> so I am the only Rachel Brinke in the world, which by the way, I have four brother-in-laws that are not married. So if anybody's looking, your name just can't be Rachel. <laughs> I've cornered that. So I'm really easy to get a hold. Dev. Really for creatives, the best way is either through thelawtog.com or rachelbranke.com. I also have a Facebook group for The Law Talk, but don't be scared if you're not a photographer. We have related industry people that aren't photographers that are also in there. and can offer some great insight as well.
0: Awesome. And you have your very own podcast as well. We do. Called The Business Bites. The Business Bites. You yeah. can listen to that as well. And Rachel is throwing in an awesome resource for all of our listeners that you can get at golddiggerpodcast.com. Rachel, what are you throwing in for everybody?
1: I have a legal checklist. So it's a lot of what we talked about and then some here. So if you didn't take notes if you were driving, and I hope you weren't taking notes if you're driving, <laughs> or you're doing the laundry or doing something, you can go download it. It's a little bit expanded. It will also set you up to get tips in your inbox.
0: And then you'll also have a direct line to talk to me because then you can just press reply. Absolutely. And guys, make sure you check that out. Again if Rachel has taught me anything, it is not to shy away from using legal entities within our business. It is to step into them because it just provides confidence and security and it also preserves relationships. And I think just as you started on the show telling us exactly what your goal and what you felt your calling was to do, I think you are without a question doing that within lives with the work that you're doing these days.
1: Thanks. That feels good.
0: Well, thank you for being here today, and everyone, make sure you go check out Rachel if you need any resources. The Law Talk is a place to go, and you can better believe that I have an account there and I use it very frequently. Thanks for listening to Gold Digger. Dive into show notes for this episode and all past episodes at www.golddiggerpodcast.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time, you gold digging dream chaser, you.